Due to the graphic nature of this mystery, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder and domestic violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In 1974, the DeFeo family lived at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. The Dutch colonial structure had five bedrooms, a swimming pool, and a boathouse. Best of all, it sat right on the Amityville River. But the beautiful home hid a terrible secret. Ronald DeFeo, a father of five, was physically abusive. For years, his 23-year-old son, Ronald Jr., bore the brunt of his brutality. Tensions were high in the Amityville house, and on the night of November 13th, Ronald Jr. finally snapped. He shot and killed his mother, father, and four siblings while they slept. After the tragedy, the house on Ocean Avenue sat empty for a year. It didn't matter how low the price dipped, no one wanted to touch a place with such a sordid history. Eventually, a new family did move in. Regardless of the building's violent past, they had high hopes for their new abode. But there was something evil lurking inside the Amityville home, and they would learn that the hard way. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our third of four parts on life after death. Each episode, we'll explore a different facet of the afterlife, from near-death experiences to hauntings to exorcisms. We'll try to solve the greatest mystery of all. What happens after we die? This time, we'll cover haunted houses. We'll examine different kinds of hauntings, investigate their potential causes, and try to figure out why people explain uncanny phenomena through the supernatural. Next episode, we'll figure out what happens when a spirit inhabits a person. And we'll discuss the steps religious figures take to free possessed people from evil demons. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Blair. 
Wanna hear something scary? Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. In the first century CE, a Roman magistrate named Pliny the Younger wrote about a haunted house in Athens. Every night, the specter of a thin old man appeared in its halls. The ghost had a long beard, dirty clothes, and chains around his hands and feet. Most people refused to live in the home while it was plagued by this spirit. But according to Pliny, a philosopher called Athenodorus eventually moved in. One night, Athenodorus heard the ghost's chains rattling. The sound got louder and louder until it was right outside his study. Athenodorus looked up from his work and saw the spirit of the old man standing in the doorway. He raised a bony hand and gestured for the philosopher to follow him. The ghost led Athenodorus to the yard, where he pointed at a plot of grass. Then he disappeared. The next day, Athenodorus dug up the spot the ghost had gestured at. Buried deep in the ground, he uncovered a skeleton bound in the same rusted chains he'd seen on the spirit. Pliny said that Athenodorus collected the bones and gave them a proper funeral. The philosopher laid the spirit to rest, and he never saw the ghost again. This is one of the oldest surviving tales of a haunted house, and it illustrates a few points. Firstly, every residence has a history. An average abode like the one Athenodorus slept in might have a dark past. It could even have literal bodies buried in the yard. Secondly, homebuyers don't always know what took place in their new houses. What looks like a beautiful sanctuary could actually be full of secrets. The walls might be imprinted with suffering. Vengeful spirits could lurk in the shadows. Sometimes a home feels so cursed that it sends a family fleeing in terror. That's exactly what happened to 28-year-old George Lutz and his wife, 29-year-old Kathy. In November 1975, George and Kathy were looking for a place on Long Island. Unfortunately, nothing was in their price range, except the house at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. The home's previous owners had met a grisly end. One year before, Ronald DeFeo Jr. had shot and killed his parents and four younger siblings as they slept in their beds. The realtor admitted that the building's violent past usually drove buyers away, but that also meant the price was well below average. If the Lutzes wanted the Amityville house, they could get it at a steal. George and Kathy couldn't believe their luck. The residence was just barely within their budget. Plus, it had plenty of space for their three children, nine-year-old Danny, seven-year-old Chris, and five-year-old Missy. They said yes right away, regardless of the place's unfortunate history. On December 18, 1975, they moved in. But the Lutzes weren't totally naive. They reportedly hired a priest to bless the house, hoping to cleanse it of any negative spirits. 
When the priest arrived, he took out a container of holy water and suddenly heard a disembodied man's voice telling him to get out. But that didn't stop the family from settling in. On their first night, George had trouble sleeping. Even though the house was below market price, it was still barely within their budget. He fretted over the mortgage payments and worried that the building might need expensive repairs. At one point, he woke up and looked at the clock. It was 3.15 a.m., right around the time the DeFeos had been killed. The next morning, it was freezing cold inside. George checked the thermostat and realized that it wasn't working. He insulated the windows and lit a roaring fire. But no matter what he did, the old house just wouldn't heat up. A few days later, on December 22nd, the Lutzes found one of the upstairs windows covered in a swarm of flies. There were hundreds of them buzzing around in the dead of winter, a time when flies shouldn't even have been alive. It was like the house was rotten. With every passing day, the Amityville home grew stranger. Windows flew open, letting gusts of frigid air into the already freezing space. One morning, George came downstairs, shivering from a draft. He found the front door completely ripped off its hinges. Five-year-old Missy started playing with an invisible friend that she called Jody. She told her parents that Jody was a pig. And every night, George woke up at exactly 3.15 a.m. As if that wasn't weird enough, he kept hearing big band music downstairs, like someone was throwing a party. One night, he tiptoed to the first floor to check what was going on, but no one was there. On Christmas Day, 1975, George awoke at 3.15 a.m. again. He went outside to check on the family dog, who'd been acting lethargic since they moved in. From the yard, he looked up at Missy's window, and he saw the little girl staring back at him. Behind her was the face of a pig with glowing red eyes. George sprinted to his daughter's room, his heart pounding. He burst through the door and found her fast asleep in her bed, alone. Two days later, on December 27th, the Lutzes discovered a secret room hidden behind some shelves in the basement. Its walls were painted dark red. George mentioned the room to a local bartender, who said he'd seen it when he worked at a party the DeFeos threw. Afterwards, the bartender had nightmares of people performing animal sacrifices in the Red Room. As the days passed, the Lutzes' experiences grew more horrifying. On January 7, 1976, George awoke to find that his wife Kathy wasn't in bed beside him. She was levitating two feet in the air. Frantic, he grabbed his wife's hair and pulled her down. When he looked at her face, he saw that she'd turned into an old woman. Her hair was white, her face was lined with wrinkles, and all her teeth had rotted away. Eventually, she regained her more youthful appearance. But the horror wasn't over. On January 14th, the Lutzes had their worst night yet. Beds slid across the floor. Dresser drawers flew open and shut. Doors slammed. George found himself paralyzed in bed, unable to stop the madness around him. 
When he could finally move, he dashed into the hallway. A hooded figure in white loomed at the head of the staircase. It lifted its hand and pointed straight at him. That was the final straw. The Lutzes bolted for the family van and left their dream home behind. About a month later, on February 18, 1976, a local reporter invited psychics and paranormal experts to hold a seance at the abandoned Amityville home. They claimed they sensed the presence of two spirits, an old woman and a young boy, both of whom had formerly lived in the house. But there was something else as well, something far more evil. Investigators agreed that the presence that lurked inside the house wasn't connected to any person who'd ever lived there. It was demonic. Coming up, the Demon of Amityville. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial, or collegiate kind, attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows. Others operate in plain sight. All are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In December 1975, the Lutz family moved into a house in Amityville, New York. They knew it had been the site of a horrible mass murder, but that meant the house was cheap, so they could just barely afford it. They looked forward to starting a new life there. However, it didn't take long for their dream to turn sour. In less than a month, hostile paranormal forces drove the Lutzes out. According to experts, the house was inhabited by at least two ghosts and one demon. In other words, there were multiple hauntings at the Amityville home. According to author Troy Taylor, this isn't all that uncommon. He separated different types of paranormal activity into various categories. In a traditional haunting, deceased people's spirits linger in the places they once lived. Usually, they try to communicate with the living by moving objects, opening doors, or manifesting as cold spots. The Lutzes experienced all these phenomena. They could have come from the ghosts of the old woman and young boy. According to Taylor, the Lutzes also experienced a residual haunting. 
These happen when past events replay over and over again as sounds, smells, or involuntary actions. The band George heard downstairs could have been the residual haunting of a party the DeFeos held before they died. Next, Taylor described poltergeist hauntings. Poltergeists are aggressive spirits that harass people through noise and violence. They often appear when a member of a family is disturbed or sensitive. George was stressed about money. His anxiety could have been the catalyst for poltergeist activity, which manifested as moving furniture and frightening apparitions. Finally, Taylor identified the most controversial kind of haunting, portals. He believed that some locations contain interdimensional doorways that allow ghosts to travel to this world. In the Amityville case, the Lutzes found a secret red room that may have been the site of occult rituals. It's possible the space was used to open a portal and summon evil spirits. Perhaps the animal sacrifices spurred the demon to manifest as Jody the pig. If this was true, the Amityville house was a shockingly supernatural location. It displayed all four different types of hauntings. George Lutz couldn't help but wonder what made his home a magnet for ghosts and demons. So he did some research. According to Jay Anson, the author of the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, George sought help from the Amityville Historical Society. They allegedly told him that before European settlers colonized Long Island in the 1600s, the Shinnecock Nation lived there. Apparently, the Shinnecock believed the area around the house was demonic. The Historical Society reportedly said that the Shinnecock refused to use the site as a consecrated burial mound. Instead, they left the sick and mentally ill there to die. This explanation provided a convenient excuse for the haunting, but there was a problem. It was all made up. Author and professor Colin Dickey pointed out that the Shinnecock didn't actually live around Amityville. Furthermore, no human remains were ever found on the site where the house was built. But the popularity of the Amityville case led to what film critics call the Indian burial ground trope. It became a cliché in horror movies and books, even appearing in major works like Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. The Indian burial ground trope appealed to horror writers because it gave their settings an ancient and mysterious backstory. But it also played into demeaning stereotypes about Native Americans. Even in the context of a horror story, the myth erased Native voices and misappropriated their cultures. And as it turned out, this wasn't the only fake part of the Amityville case. As the story gained media attention, some people noticed that parts of the Lutz's story paralleled 1970s horror films like The Exorcist and The Omen. It seemed like the family had copied plot points they'd seen in movies. Plus, several people disputed George Lutz's account of events. No one who lived in the Amityville home after the Lutz's experienced any paranormal activity. And in 1979, the priest who was allegedly hired to bless the house came forward. He told a newspaper that the story about him hearing a voice was completely fabricated. In fact, 
He'd never even been to the Amityville house. Even more incriminating testimony came from the Lutz children. Chris was seven years old when the family moved into the house. When he grew up, he said that many of the events described in the Amityville horror never actually happened. Chris admitted that he did experience some paranormal phenomena. However, he had a very different explanation for why the place was haunted. According to Chris, George Lutz was interested in occult magic. Chris said that he once saw George chanting in an attempt to summon spirits. He believed these activities brought evil into the Amityville home. Danny, who was nine during the supposed haunting, also insisted that some elements of the story were true. He claimed the swarm of flies was real and that beds really did slide across the room. He even said he'd seen Jody, the demonic pig. But he, too, blamed his stepfather's supernatural interests. He also added that George was abusive and controlling. An atmosphere of fear and violence existed in the Amityville house, with or without ghosts. So perhaps George invited an unsavory entity into his own home. He could have done so through occult magic or through his violent personality. Or he could have made the whole narrative up, then dragged his family into the lie. The debate seemed settled in May 1988. That was when Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s defense attorney, William Weber, admitted that the whole story was a hoax. Weber explained that he, George, and Kathy made up the haunting over a few bottles of wine. They wanted to turn the story into a media sensation for their own profit. The financial motive added up. The Amityville horror book and subsequent movie franchise were huge hits. If money was the Lutz's goal, they got it. Either way, haunted houses like Amityville harbor malevolent secrets and not just paranormal ones. With any home, it's unclear what really goes on behind closed doors. Perhaps the so-called haunting is actually an unhappy family trying to cope. And hauntings don't just reveal familial strife. They also reflect wider societal fears. When the Lutz family lived in Amityville, the United States saw a marked rise in occultism. The Church of Satan was founded in 1966. In 1972, Time magazine published an image of a hooded goat with the headline, The Occult Revival, Satan Returns. Based on his stepchildren's accounts, George Lutz was part of this new wave of interest in witchcraft. And the speculations about the Amityville haunting, like the story of animal sacrifices being performed in the Red Room, reflected the United States' satanic panic. Other aspects of the Amityville story, like the Indian burial ground trope, reveal different social concerns. According to Colin Dickey, horror stories invoke this trope because they're unconsciously dealing with an uncomfortable fact. The United States sits on land it acquired through colonization and genocide. Tales that use the Indian burial ground trope point to this unresolved historical tension. It's no coincidence that this cliché appeared around the same time as a huge social movement for Native American civil rights. 
Indigenous people demanded recognition, access to resources, and the return of land. Amidst this struggle, the anxiety of who really owned the country was at the back of many people's minds. Horror movies were a way to process this uneasiness, but they didn't lead to any real societal change. Amityville also revealed cultural fears around money and home ownership. For decades, a suburban house with a white picket fence was the American dream. But homes are expensive. They usually require a mortgage, and if a house has a lot of problems, it can become a huge financial burden. Some of the phenomena at Amityville, like the flies and the cold, could have happened because the building was old. Maybe it was more of a fixer-upper than the Lutzes initially realized. Rather than face the fact that they'd made a bad investment, they chalked the defects up to the paranormal. Finally, there's the crime that started it all. Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s multiple homicide went completely against the idealized image of the family. It drew the public's interest not just for its heinousness, but because DeFeo violated the ties of kinship. And sometimes, it's easier to blame a demon than to confront the fact that a family home might hide misery and violence. For all the holes in the Amityville story, it remains one of the most well-known and influential hauntings of all time. It's also an example of how and why people turn to paranormal explanations for their domestic problems. A brutal crime, a family wrapped up in personal and financial stress, and a predisposition toward occult beliefs all led to events being exaggerated or falsified. There are plenty of cultural explanations for perceived hauntings, but that doesn't exactly debunk them. The Lutz children insisted there was something paranormal going on inside their home. They saw apparitions, heard creepy noises, and felt ghostly presences. That can't be explained away by familial strife, but it might be rationalized by science. Coming up, the reason why so many people have ghosts in their homes. Now, back to the story. In 1976, the Lutz family claimed their house in Amityville, New York, was haunted. Their testimony caused a national sensation, but there was little evidence to corroborate the story. Several people said it was a hoax. Even so, Amityville revealed both familial strife and wider cultural fears. Because it reflected so many shared social issues, it became an exceptionally famous haunted house. But it was far from the only one. Practically every town claims to have at least one eerie locale. In the United Kingdom alone, there are 10,000 allegedly haunted places. About 13% of Americans report ghostly activity in the home where they currently live. The most common phenomena are strange noises and shadows, cold spots, pets behaving oddly, and objects moving on their own. But just because people think spirits exist doesn't mean they do. A 2002 study found that people who believed in ghosts were more likely to report paranormal phenomena. That means that simply thinking spirits exist makes a person more likely to view an event as supernatural. Furthermore, social influence impacts people's perceptions. 
In a 2014 study, participants watched a fake psychic claim to bend a metal key with her mind. If subjects were in the room with people who said they saw the key bend, they were more likely to report seeing it too. That doesn't mean the supernatural is just in people's heads, though. Many of the sensations associated with hauntings have logical explanations. For example, some people report a sense of uneasiness in supposedly paranormal locations. This might not be caused by a sixth sense, but rather one of the original five, hearing. Sound travels in waves, the size and frequency of which are measured in hertz. Humans can't hear noise below 20 hertz, but their brains still respond to it. When people are exposed to sound at around 18.9 hertz, they report feelings of anxiety and dread. They get goosebumps, chills run down their spines, and their hair stands on edge. As a result, this has been dubbed the fear frequency. At the fear frequency, people can even see things moving out of the corner of their eye, thanks to a phenomenon called resonance. Essentially, the vibration from one object can cause another to vibrate if it's sensitive to the same frequency. The human eye has a resonant frequency of about 18.98 hertz. That means that if a nearby object is emitting the fear frequency, the eye can subtly vibrate in response. This can cause optical illusions, which people might interpret as ghostly figures or orbs. The fear frequency can be emitted by everyday objects, like electric fans. Other household items can cause ghostly feelings, too. Common fuels, including gasoline, propane, wood, and charcoal, can produce a gas called carbon monoxide. With proper ventilation, it's not a problem. But if people inhale too much of the gas, it can cause headaches, dizziness, nausea, shortness of breath, and fainting. In some cases, it can be fatal. It can also cause physical, visual, and auditory hallucinations. Carbon monoxide can lead people to feel, see, or hear what they believe to be ghosts. Carbon monoxide is colorless, odorless, and tasteless. It can only be detected with a specialized alarm. Before these sensors were invented, there was no way to tell whether carbon monoxide gas was slowly poisoning a household. Throughout the early 20th century, the chemical actually caused a number of perceived hauntings. For example, in 1921, a family moved into an old house. They immediately started feeling depressed, and they heard footsteps and voices when no one else was in the home. Finally, a relative came to them with a solution. He'd read about a family who'd been poisoned by carbon monoxide and had similar experiences. When the residents looked into it, they found that their chimney was blocked and the furnace was pumping gas into the house. Carbon monoxide continues to cause hauntings to this day. It's one of the first possibilities ghost hunters rule out when they investigate. There are lots of other possible explanations for the strange phenomena people experience in their homes. But the real question is why people are willing to turn to the paranormal to explain events that could be perfectly natural. 
Perhaps it's because hauntings are so pervasive or because they help people make sense of incidents they don't understand, like slamming doors or a swarm of flies in the dead of winter. When an obvious reason doesn't present itself, it's easy to assume something more sinister is afoot. Plus, people want to believe in hauntings, if only because they offer emotionally satisfying answers. As Colin Dickey argues, hauntings can fill in gaps in ways that gratify our sense of justice. Ghosts can seek retribution for past wrongs or reveal long-lost secrets. Or in the case of the Amityville hauntings, curses and witchcraft explain what would otherwise look like random acts of violence. They become reasons why bad things happen to good people. Finding the story behind a haunting is like putting together the pieces of a puzzle. And supernatural explanations are usually more exciting than logical ones. It's the difference between believing that Amityville is haunted because of satanic rituals or that an abusive stepfather made up the story to help pay his mortgage. It's also important to examine how a culture chooses to tell the stories of its haunted places. Dickey explained that the fictional aspects of a ghost story say a lot about what a culture would rather not face. They often replace complicated histories with easy-to-understand clichés. But while parts of a story might be made up, there are too many tales of hauntings to simply ignore. They can't all be carbon monoxide leaks. Optical illusions don't account for moving furniture or creepy red rooms. It's possible that something supernatural lived alongside the Lutzes in Amityville, and they got out just in time. If they'd stayed, it's possible that the demonic presence might have transcended the house and entered one of them. Since ancient times, people have believed that demons can possess a person's body. It might seem like an outdated trope, but in recent years, reports of possessions have actually gone up. And if a person is possessed, the only way to free them is through an arcane ritual known as an exorcism. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with part four of Life After Death where we'll explore the arcane world of exorcisms. For more information on haunted houses, amongst the many sources we used, we found Ghostland by Colin Dickey extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Kirsten Liu, with writing assistance by Karis Allen and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein, and research by Brian Petrus. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg, and Richard Rossner. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. 
and if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, each week we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.